Our scripture reading for today is Acts chapter 3. One day, Peter and John were going up to the temple at the time of prayer at three in the afternoon. Now, a man who was lame from birth was being carried to the temple gate called Beautiful, where he was put every day to beg for those going into the temple courts. When he saw Peter and John about to enter, he asked them for money. Peter looked straight at him, as did John. Then Peter said, look at us. So the man gave them his attention, expecting to get something from them. Then Peter said, silver or gold I do not have, but what I do have I give you. In the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, walk. Taking him by the right hand, he helped him up, and instantly the man's feet and ankles became strong. He jumped to his feet and began to walk. Then he went with them into the temple courts, walking and jumping and praising God. When all the people saw him walking and praising God, they recognized him as the same man who used to sit begging at the temple gate called Beautiful. And they were filled with wonder and amazement at what had happened to him. While the man held on to Peter and John, all the people were astonished and came running to them in the place called Solomon's Colonnade. When Peter saw this, he said to them, Fellow Israelites, why does this surprise you? Why do you stare at us as if by our own power or godliness we had made this man walk? The God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, the God of our fathers, has glorified his servant Jesus. You handed him over to be killed, and you disowned him before Pilate, though he had decided to let him go. You disowned the holy and righteous one and asked that a murderer be released to you. You killed the author of life, but God raised him from the dead. We are witnesses of this. By faith in the name of Jesus, this man whom you see and know was made strong. It is Jesus' name and the faith that comes through him that has completely healed him, as you can all see. Now, fellow Israelites, I know that you acted in ignorance, as did your leaders. But this is how God fulfilled what he had foretold through all the prophets, saying that his Messiah would suffer. Repent, then, and turn to God, so that your sins may be wiped out, that times of refreshing may come from the Lord, and that he may send the Messiah, who has been appointed for you, even Jesus. Heaven must receive him until the time comes for God to restore everything, as he promised long ago through his holy prophets. For Moses said, The Lord your God will raise up for you a prophet, like me from among your own people. You must listen to everything he tells you. Anyone who does not listen to him will be completely cut off from their people. Indeed, beginning with Samuel, all the prophets who have spoken have foretold these days. And you are heirs of the prophets and of the covenant God made with your fathers. He said to Abraham, through your offspring, all peoples on earth will be blessed. When God raised up his servant, he sent him first to you to bless you by turning each of you from your wicked ways. Thank you, Rita. Rita. 
Have you ever walked through the church doors here, the front doors of the church, just stopped and looked at the, the woodwork and really, really considered it and maybe even called someone over and, and, and brought them in to a discussion and, and both looked at, both of you looked at the, the woodwork? I see a lot of blank stares. I'm kind of guessing the answer to that is no, huh? Well, me neither. It's woodwork. Yeah, not even Lenny has done that, our woodworker here. Yeah. The irony of this is that I grew up in a furniture family. We have, my parents owned a retail furniture store, and through the years, they made sure I understood all the different grains of the woods, and the beauty of them, and everything. Um, they're just rolling their eyes in heaven right now, because it's only a couple weeks ago that I actually looked at the woodwork. Beautiful cherry paneling, but it's woodwork, <laughs> right? Woodwork, it's just there. You walk right by it. It's insignificant to our lives. You don't even notice it. Woodwork. That's who this lame man was in the passage today that we're going to be talking about. This lame man was woodwork. I'd like to thank Dr. Martin Sanders, an esteemed professor at the Alliance Seminary in Nyack, for the idea for that illustration. Looking at today's passage, what we see is that it's through woodwork, this lame man, that Peter and John made an impact for the kingdom of God. Now, what can we learn from them so that we can have an impact for the kingdom of God? And that's our focus today. Make an impact for the kingdom of God. Well, to make an impact for Christ, they had to focus on that purpose. We can be pretty easily distracted today, can't we? You know, just by the television alone. You know, it takes two hours to go up the 300 channels and back down. Ask Rita. I, I can do that. <laughs> Distractions, they're all about us. But they were focused in the early church. They were focused on a purpose. The question, why on this day did they notice this man? Right? He was lame from birth, couldn't walk. We know from the next chapter, Acts chapter 4, uh, and, and this is a two-chapter story, really. We're looking only at the first half, but it continues. They get arrested, and the lame man goes with them, and they're in front of the Sanhedrin. Um, we know from chapter 4 that this lame man was over 40 years old. 40 years. He was there every day as a beggar. Someone had to bring him, and someone did. Every day. Jesus and the disciples must have passed by him. He was at the main gate, the gate called Beautiful. Woodwork. Woodwork. Blended in. There were dozens, dozens of other lame, poor, needy, crippled people at this gate. It's what you did in that time. Peter and John were prepared for this day, this time, 
this unexpected encounter. Well, let's take a look at what the disciples were doing before this encounter, before they met the layman. Well, they were purposeful in their time together, right? The disciples were purposeful in building each other up in the faith. They were purposeful in seeking out opportunities. Just before our our passage today, back at the end of chapter 2, Acts chapter 2, verse 42, we read, they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to the fellowship, to the breaking of bread, and to prayer. They devoted themselves. There was a purposefulness in their, on their part. They spent purposeful time together teaching. First thing that we read that they did, it was teaching. They knew their message. That's what teaching does. That's where we learn what we believe, through teaching, studying and teaching. Through teaching, we learn how to live out what we believe. It's not just the knowledge, but what does it mean? How do we live that? Why do we live it that way? They were also devoted to fellowship. Now, now, that fellowship wasn't merely a social fellowship. When we talk about fellowship today, we're talking a lot of times about social fellowship. But back then... Their their fellowship was an encouragement to live what they believed. They were reinforcing, getting an understanding. What do you mean by that? Their fellowship was, was very purposeful. Their fellowship helped them understand how to love as Christ loved them. Christianity is all about relationships. We're reminded of this when we we look at the cross, the relationships, the vertical with God, the horizontal with with our fellow man. That's That's what fellowship is truly about. No breaches, no breaks in that, those uh those lines. Well, third thing we're we're told that they they did is they spent time in prayer, teaching, fellowship, and prayer. Time before the Lord, getting their heart's desire to be in line with God's heart. Now, they prayed a lot. They prayed to glorify Christ, to glorify the name of Christ. That's, that's purposeful. They prayed for opportunities to do so. They prayed for boldness. The continuation of the story we read in the next chapter Enable your servants to speak your word with great boldness. Stretch out your hand to heal and perform miraculous signs and wonders through the name of your holy servant, Jesus. There's powerful prayer, encouragement. The disciples, in their preparation, in their time before meeting this, this lame man, they were determined to talk to people about Jesus And they undoubtedly were praying for specific people and for opportunities. Let's make it practical here. For each of us, there are some people we just find it's easier to talk to. And it's easier to talk to about Christ. Let's start there. 
let's start there and build up our boldness to speak to, to others, right? Children are very easy to speak to. Shut-ins. With shut-ins, you might have to do a lot of listening first, but it's easy. They're, they're, they're hungry for people, right? My sister Janet was Down syndrome, and she lived in a group, group home. And uh, it was easy to talk to the residents of the group home. They, they, were, they were the least of society, but they were eager to talk to people. Uh, it would, I would normally, almost every weekend, pick her up on a Friday evening, bring her home to my parents, and then take her back on a Saturday, Sunday evening. Well, it would take me about 20 minutes to leave on a Friday evening, but it would probably take me a good 45 minutes when I bring her back on a Sunday because everybody would come out. They'd want to talk. You know, it was easy to talk to them, easy to talk to them about God. You know something? When you talk to the woodwork, you might be surprised at who's listening. Right behind the wall in the kitchen, invariably, there was one or more staff members. A good point to understand. Woodwork. Now, here's a question. Have you ever felt like woodwork? Unnoticed, insignificant, of little, no worth? Well, if you have... God has given you an experience which allows you to feel what this lame man felt every day. And that's an experience, a God-given experience. That's purposeful on our, our Lord's part. Cultivate those experiences into a heart of compassion. You will understand more deeply God's compassion for you, and you'd be able to give it out. You look at people with that heart of compassion and you'll recognize the opportunities. You'll also understand that God has given you a lot to give. As the disciples did, let's cultivate that mindset focused on glorifying God. Well, get to point two. In addition to cultivating a, a Christ-glorifying mindset, another reason the early church had an impact for Christ is because they lived missionally. Ah, Pastor Kevin's loving this right now. He's, uh, he'll be back in two weeks. But uh, this is what they did. This is what the disciples did. Lived missionally. They were purposeful in the routines of their life. That's what it means to live missionally. In the routine of life. So many opportunities to make an impact for Christ arise in our routines of life. Peter and John went to the temple every day at 3 p.m. It's what they did. You notice they went out together, right? They practiced what they learned from our Lord. He sent them out in pairs, two by two. They learned that. We can do this when we go out and Two, three, fours, when we go out to the restaurant, we go out to whatever, we can do this. We can go out and live missionally with purpose. Prayer beforehand, enjoy each other, and as we're enjoying one another, 
look for the opportunity. Pray for the opportunity. In an opportunity like that, if someone is, is, does open the door to speak spiritually, listen, pray, we can do this. Well, we get back to our story, and there were many poor beggars at the temple gate at this time. Why on this day? Well, maybe on this day, Peter and John, a lot of people going in, maybe instead of going to the left, they had to go to the right. Maybe someone stopped in front of them, and maybe they veered and came face to face with the lame man. He was being carried. We don't know really whether he was on the ground. Luke is writing this story a good 30 years after it happened, maybe even longer. Um, Luke is very detailed on this, so uh, he's uh, a good historian. Um, while he's being carried, you know, it happened. It happened that day. They were prepared, but it was an unexpected event. But it shouldn't surprise us that a situation like this came about when they had been diligently praying for opportunities to glorify Jesus. In living missionally, just like Peter and John, we have something much more to give than silver and gold. The layman was used to criticism and judgment, the least of the society. He needed dignity and kindness. What did Peter say to him? Look at me. You ever, in New York City, you ever, ever see the, the, the homeless on the streets? They don't look up. We were in the Ukraine last year in, the, uh, in August and walking in the city of Lviv. Um, they were homeless and there were, there were people, a lady. I just uh, moved my heart to uh, put something in her, her uh, basket in front of her. She didn't look up, wouldn't look up. Uh, Rita said that man behind me made a, a frown, scowl at me putting something in there, but I wish I, I spoke the language. I wish I could say hi to her. You know, um, they, they, the loss of dignity, that's an easy thing to give. Dignity, kindness, we can do this. Persons isolated, needed fellowship. It's not told in the story. We just get a, just the facts, right? But definitely they ask his name. What's your name? That gives dignity to a person. Not silver or gold, but it's priceless. You spend time with them. We can give them this. What else do we have to give? Grace, right? Grace. Extending that which isn't deserved. Grace. Let's practice that in our families. We can do this. Let's practice that at work. We've all experienced those co-workers who don't deserve grace. We didn't deserve grace from God. Just like God gave us that grace, we can practice this. That's what the disciples were practicing. That's what's on their mind. That's what they were taught. That's what they were thinking about. How do we live this out? It is tough sometimes. It is tough. I had a I, in one of the accounting firms I was uh, in, I had a partner who would love to stick his face six inches from mine and, and then just out curse a sailor. 
And uh, that was, that was kind of tough. Um, but he said, you don't give, a re give me a response. You as a Christian. I said, well, you don't judge me. I said, well, I'm not your judge. How do we respond in grace? How do we give mercy? Mercy is not extending that which is deserved. We can give compassion. We can give patience. Patience. Oh, that's tough at home. It's tough at work, too, but we, we can do that. God is patient with us. This is what they were learning. This is what they were teaching. How do we live this out? They talked about those experiences. Help me understand. Peter, help me understand how I might live this out. That's what they were doing with their fellowship. The encouragement there. Hope. We have hope. We have hope. A lot. A lot of hope lacking in this world. We have encouragement. Oh, maybe most of us don't have the spiritual gift of encouragement, but you know what? We still have the responsibility to encourage each other. And Pastor Kevin, the pastors need encouragement. There's a spiritual warfare going on. Whether we have that gift or not, he needs encouragement. The least in society, this lame man, needed encouragement. Encouragement. We can give that. That's free. The encouragement that Christ has given us, the encouragement we feel here, we can give that. Missional living is thankful living. You're going to roll your eyes at this one. Missional living is giving living. You like that? Giving living. It's risk-taking. It's giving of ourselves. And many times, the intangible things we've discussed right now, those intangibles we give to others have much more impact in their lives and especially impact for Christ than anything tangible that we could give. Be aware that people watch us. They watch us at work. They watch us in our family. Our family members watch us. We, we are watched. That's why missional living is important. They knew that. In the early church, not in not too distant a future to the close of Acts, there was extreme persecution of Christians. It was illegal, unlawful, and uh, uh, to proclaim Christ, to speak about him, but they lived differently. They lived missionally. That opened the door for people to ask them, you're different, why? Missional living is purposely trying to get others to want the Christ they see in us. The disciples lived this, and we can too. Okay, so we see that both being focused on bringing glory to God and living missionally are necessary to make an impact for Christ. Ah, but there is a third point we see from this passage and that is the need to proclaim the gospel if we want to have an impact for Christ. This is getting tougher in our society. We're approaching what the early Christians, our forefathers, faced with the persecution in society. 
Tolerance today is the mantra, except towards Christians. Uh, calls for us to be wise. We gain wisdom when we're talking together. How would you handle this? Um, it's part of our fellowship, part of our teaching. And we're reminded that God calls us to be faithful. It's not our responsibility to save people, but to be faithful. It is our responsibility to tell others about the Lord Jesus. Romans uh, chapter 10, verse 14 says this. How can they believe if they have not heard? And how can they hear without someone pro proclaiming it to them? That's our responsibility. It doesn't have to be a loud proclamation. It can be a very gentle word. Well, from our, our passage today, what was the gospel? What was this good news they proclaimed? Well, they were proclaiming it to Jews in the first century. So there is specific um, teaching that because in our society, it's all, it really is a post-Christian society, um, a lot of the details are, should be left for a Sunday school class or a, a Bible study class. Um, but what we can take from their teaching, from their proclamation, are two things. They focused on the resurrection of Jesus Christ. And it's all about the resurrection. If that didn't take place, our faith is empty. It, it, it's null and void. The resurrection of Jesus Christ defines him as God. If that took place, then he is God. And that's where our hope is. And that's what they proclaimed. The resurrection of Jesus Christ. The second focal point that they, that they preached on was repent. Yeah, that's not a very acceptable word today. We can put it in other terms. When we think of repentance, we think of a deep sorrow and, and coming to God very tearfully. Well, the sorrow and the godly sorrow is a good thing, but that's not repentance. Sorrow, godly sorrow, will help us continue to walk rightly. But when, it, when they say repent, notice in our passage, Peter also says, turn to God. Well, that's what repentance is, turning to God. So it's, it's about the resurrection, and it's about turning to God and away from the world. In order to proclaim the good news clearly to others, it is important for us to know what we believe, right? And it is important for us to be able to clearly state that. And I don't mean state it, but to put it into words. And here's the question. Can you articulate the gospel in your life? Can you... Yeah, can you state it clearly? Well, I'm going to ask you to do a little bit of homework. I'm going to ask you to take some time this afternoon or this evening. right? And I'm going to help you, too, on this. But today, do it today. Write down, and it can be in an outline form, what you believe about Jesus. What you would want to share with others. 
what is this good news that, that, that you believe and, and live? What, what changed your life? Can you state it clearly? Can you state it understandably? You know, we're, we're good at church ease. And, and Hong, I, I don't mean Chinese, I mean church ease. Yeah, churchies. People don't understand churchies. Salvation. What do you mean, salvation? People don't even think they're sinners anymore. They, they're just, they think they're good people. How do, you, how do you present sin to people who think they're good? How do you live that way? This is a challenge. Right? Put it down, what you believe, so that anyone can understand it. Outline your thoughts. You know, I'm not asking for an essay or anything like this, and I'm going to give you a... Uh, an idea. Now, an outline may look something like this, right? Number one, God cares for us deeply. He created us. Number two, God's presence is the only place where we'll have true peace and joy. Number three, God wants us to be in his presence, to have that joy, to have that peace, which the world doesn't have. Point four could be, the resurrection of Jesus defines Jesus Christ as the gateway to God's presence. You like that? That's a, a current term. I thought that was good. Um, point five. The resurrection of Jesus is true because there were many witnesses. Here's a good. And, and you can turn, uh, uh, write this down. I'll read it to you. Uh, the passage is 1 Corinthians 15. Verses 3 through 6. This is what Paul writes to the Corinthian church. For what I received, I passed on to you as of first importance. I taught you. That, that's the teaching. That Christ died for our sins according to the scriptures. That he was buried. That he was raised on the third day according to the scriptures. And that he appeared to Peter and then to the twelve. After that, he appeared to more than 500 of the brothers at the same time, most of whom are still living, though some have fallen asleep. The witness, you notice in our passage, the witness of Peter and John, we witnessed his resurrection. That was important. We're gonna have, you're going to have some pushback on this. Resurrection, they're witnesses. Yeah, is there any proof? Well, back then we didn't have kids with cell phones to take selfies. You know, me, me and Jesus here after his, his resurrection. Most of them weren't even literate. They couldn't even write. <laughs> that's why we have the Gospels. That's why we have the um, Book of Acts. Those who could understood the need to have a written testimony. This is Paul saying. There were over 500 brothers. Does that mean sisters? No, probably could be an equal number of sisters. There may have been 1,000 people. Um, we're just 500 is a good testimony. Um, but understand there could be, could be a lot more than uh, just 500 at one time. All right, point six in, in your outline. Because this is true, because of the testimony of witnesses, 
believe that Jesus is God. Right? They said that right here in verse, uh, verse 16. First they said, God ra- Peter said, God raised him from the dead. We are witnesses of this. By faith in the name of Jesus, this man whom you see and know was made strong. So believe, believe. Romans 10 verses 9 and 10 are another uh, uh, good pass is another good passage. Right? If you confess with your mouth, Jesus is Lord, and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. For it is with your heart that you believe and are justified, and it is with your mouth that you confess and are saved. Good passages to consider as you're writing down what it is you believe and would like to share with others. And they've always written about the change, the repentance. They would use the word repent, and they would understand what it would mean, but always this there has to be a response to this. The repentance is the, the response. There always has to be a change to our life. And uh, you may even want to add that since the re- resurrection is true, that means our Lord's words are true. He is coming back again. Well, that gives you an idea of what, what to, to put down, but uh, that's homework today. It is very important for us to know what we believe, and to be able to put it into words, to express that, understandably and and clearly. Well, not only do we get an idea of what to believe, but we also get an idea of how to effectively proclaim the good news. It's a tough society we're living in today, right? Verse 12, Peter asks a couple questions. He has a lame man who's healed next to him. People are coming around him. And he asks questions. Well, that's a very good thing. Jesus would often ask questions, right? Even when a question was asked of him, he would give a question back. That's a very good way for us to learn how to present the gospel to people. And they'll give us openings. You know, they'll, they'll say, oh, nothing is free anymore. Well, <laughs> what an opening. We have a free gift of God. Right? They'll say things. All religions are the same. Well, rather than, rather than giving them unwanted information or challenging them, what do you mean? Simple question, right? We learn to ask questions. Just like our Lord Jesus, that is much better than just giving unwanted information. Asking a question or asking questions shows an interest in the other person. You're not assuming you know what, what they're speaking on. You're, you're, you're asking, a, asking questions. You want to you get to know them a little bit better. Gives you some understanding of his or her perspective. You know, we, we come through life with different perspectives. We see things very differently, and, and you want to get to know what happened. Is there something that happened in the past? There was a, uh, a mailman back when we had our retail store. And uh, um, it was 
It was Good Friday. This is, he had been coming in. We had had a, a good rapport on Good Friday. I said to him, he was going to be off Saturday. I said to him, have a blessed Easter. And he stopped and he turned and, and he said, and you have a Good Friday. He's like, okay, there's something going on here. And through conversation with him, asking him questions, something happened in church. And he was young. He wouldn't talk about it. Sometimes. He told me something happened. And the look on his face, it's like, oh, gives us, when we ask questions, we're going to understand something about their background. Why are they not receptive to the gospel? Or how are they receptive? They'll give you clues on that. The assumptions. How do we, how do we approach them with love? You have to show an interest in people. That's what the disciples did. They could have walked right by this lame man. He's the least of society. You know, no, we want to go for the leaders. We get the leaders, and then uh, everybody else will, will fall in line. No, that's not where they went. Asking questions will give you a better idea of how to make the gospel of Christ understandable to that person. What we see is faithfully proclaiming the good news of God means making it understandable. Okay, what we've learned so far is that cultivating a focused mindset on Christ and living missionally are important to making an impact for Christ, but that an impact for Christ doesn't happen unless we proclaim the gospel. Yet there's a fourth point here. In our passage, Acts chapter 3, and the continuation of the story in Acts chapter 4, there was a, a considerable impact for the kingdom of God. And it did center around a miracle, a miracle of healing. What about this miracle? This lame man was completely lame. He had to be carried to the temple. He couldn't make it. And he was completely healed instantaneously. What about this miracle? It was done in the name of Jesus by his power to his glory. It was instantaneous and complete. But was the miracle the impact point for Christ? No. The, 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 the miracle was not the impact point for the kingdom of God. It helped to have a tremendous impact for the kingdom of God. But the impact for the kingdom of God was and always is the salvation. In that case of the lame man, in that case in the rest of the story, the others who put their faith in, in Christ, the, the miracle always is the restoration, the free gift, the restoration of the relationship between a person and God. In Luke chapter 15, verse 10, the Lord Jesus said, I tell you, there is rejoicing in the presence of the angels of God over one sinner who repents. That's where the impact is for the kingdom of God. Well, we can be sure that the layman accepted the gift of salvation because he stayed 
with Peter and John. They get arrested in Acts chapter 4. They spend the night in jail. And the next morning, they're in front of all the Jewish leaders. And the lame man is with them. He didn't just say, yippee, I'm, I'm healed, and walk off. He stayed with them. Well, it begs the question, do miracles like this, do healings instantaneous and complete happen today? Some theologians and some, denomina some denominations teach that miracles were performed by the apostles as proof that the Holy Spirit had come, but that the sign gifts ended with the apostolic age. The sign gifts, the, the healings, the miracles. And, uh, on the other hand, maybe we don't see miracles like this because we limit God. Jesus said plainly he could do few miracles in his hometown of, of Nazareth because of unbelief. Let me give you a personal example. On a missions trip to China, I had the opportunity to spend a week with uh, over 70 leaders of one of the large underground churches in, in China. Um, I heard dozens of testimonies. And every single testimony I heard from the leaders had a miracle connected with it. That's an atheistic country. Here, the atheists are anti-Christian. Over there, the atheists are, we, we live for, for China. We live for our country. What do you mean, God? They, they, they're atheists. Um, they don't know God at all. There's one man who uh, told me the story. We were in a, a restaurant we, um, uh, after our, our, our week uh, at this farmhouse. Um, he hosted us uh, at, a, at a restaurant. There was a picture of Mao up on the, the wall, and he said, you know, I used to be a rising star in the Communist Party. And China had the one-child policy. He said, communist member, I had one child, one son. Don't know how many daughters they gave away, but one son. He was 17 years old. And he uh, fell deathly ill. He had contracted a, an illness, was in the hospital, and the doctors said, we're sorry. There's nothing we can do. This will run its course. A neighbor, Christian, took the risk and said, will you let me pray for your son in the name of Jesus? This man was desperate. This is his testimony to me. He said, yes. Took him over to the hospital, put his hands on, on the son, and prayed for healing in the name of Jesus. Miraculously, the son did recover, and the doctors said, we do not know how he recovered. He should have died. Was it? Did they call it a miracle? Of course not. We don't know how. It happened. This man, 
his eyes opened to the gospel and uh, accepted Christ, saw the corruption in the Communist Party, and he walked away. He was a rising star. He walked away. He's a businessman in China now, and uh, very strong and very faithful to God's word. Do we limit God? Let me just say, to make an impact for Christ, the Holy Spirit has to show up. And we should expect that. All right, we're going to draw things to a conclusion here. We've looked at how this passage can teach us how to make an impact for Christ, right? But here's an illustration of how not to have any impact for the kingdom of God. This goes back to the 13th century, the middle, somewhere around 1250. There's a conversation between Pope Innocent IV and the noted theologian Thomas Aquinas. Well, Thomas Aquinas walks into a room where the Pope, where Pope Innocent was overseeing the counting of a large sum of, of money, a large offering that had just been taken. In their conversation, Pope Innocent says, You see, Thomas, the church can no longer say, silver and gold have I none. To which Thomas Aquinas replied, true, Holy Father, and neither can she say, arise and walk. We don't want to be that church. The disciples were exalting Jesus Christ in their lives. We can do that. We can cultivate that mindset. The disciples were living missionally and proclaiming the good news of Christ's love and forgiveness. We can do that. And just like the disciples in the early church, we should expect the Holy Spirit to be present with us. Today, here's a reminder, we have a homework assignment to sit down and formulate our belief in Jesus Christ in an understandable non-church-ease language. But I'm going to add a second part to that homework assignment. This week, make an impact for Christ in one person's life. Let's pray. Lord, our faith in you, Lord Jesus, has changed us, and it's by your Spirit we are changed. And Lord, we desire to honor you with our lives, we desire to lift high your name. We thank you for your word. We thank you for the examples of the apostles and the disciples, the saints that have gone on before before us. Lord, we ask you to guide us in our lives, in our routines, to walk purposely, to live purposely for you. You are our life, and we give you thanks. Thank you for this uh, word and this church. In your name we pray.